From LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. Well, I think retail sales uh, on Tuesday is the economic data point of the week. And, yep. and that'll probably just be another time for us to really stand in awe of the U.S. consumer for bouncing back as, as strongly as they have. Retail sales are about 7% above year ago levels. It's almost as if we never had a recession. You know, beyond that, we do get retailers coming through on uh, third quarter earnings. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of the LPL Market Signals podcast. Ryan Dietrich here and Jeff Bookbinder. Jeff and I we were talking just before we did this. The miracle, DeAndre Hopkins, Hail Mary, cost you a game. Is that true, Jeff? Well, it's not over, but it looks like it will cost me a, a game in uh, one of my fancy football leagues. But uh, what, what an amazing play. If people haven't seen it, uh, I'm sure it's out on YouTube. You should check it out. Yeah, we were at home, you know, just hanging out, and I don't know, I was upstairs doing something, and all of a sudden, my two boys just started screaming, and they do that. They sometimes scream at each other. They're, you know, they're brothers. They fight a little bit sometimes, but they were screaming. I was like, this is different. Like, you know, what, what in the world's going on? And they're running around, and one of them had, you know, one of them had the receiver, one of them had the uh, the uh, quarterback, and they were all excited, Kyler Murray, and, and they were all excited. So anyway, that was pretty Pretty, pretty awesome. Also this weekend, Jeff, was awesome. I guess we got a little more normalcy. We had the Masters. And on the LPL, um, I'm sorry, on the YouTube channel now, we all, we did a playful look at who wins the Masters based on nationality. Turns out Argentina, Canada, Australia, Spain are who we should have been rooting for. But, hey, we'll take the American victory. The U.S., what is it here? The U.S. is up, uh, looks like about 5 or 6% on average uh, one year after a winner. Uh, for the Masters is an American. But did you get a chance to watch um, old Dustin set the record 20 under? Yeah, I did. Uh, I guess benefiting from the the weather a little bit there with um, yeah. rain and some softer greens that just made the uh, the course a little more manageable. But yeah, amazing effort from Dustin Johnson. And probably just as impressive was Bernhard Langer at 63 years of age actually finished under par, which was Really amazing! Wow, I did. I didn't. I didn't notice that one. That's uh, that is amazing. Bernhard Longer. I remember him. That's okay. Blast from the past, right there. That's good. Um, so Jeff, this week in the LPL Marcus Sindel's podcast, we're going to talk about some things. We're not going to focus so much on the election. Election uh, talk is winding down a little bit, so it's nice, I think, to kind of get to some different subjects. And let's focus on the fundamentals this week. Um, we, you know, value growth, big move out of value relative to growth last week. And honestly, the time we're recording this podcast, that's, that's kind of continuing. And we're going to talk about that. Earnings season for the third quarter is wrapping up. Really, really solid earnings season. Going to go there. Uh, also, market sentiment. Uh, some sides, market sentiment is getting a little frothy. I mean, we are literally making all-time highs at the time we're recording this. So from where we were, it makes sense. People get a little more excited. But maybe there's something to talk about there. And then maybe just kind of round it up with a little bit more election talk if there's anything to close things out. But, Jeff, on Friday, it was Friday the 13th. Um, it's historically a scary day, I guess you could say. I did see over the weekend, like, you know, they were showing all those old Friday the 13th. Isn't that amazing? Like, when you're a kid, you watched them, and Jason was so scary. And and now you watch it, and it's like, 
the cheesiest, most ridiculous thing. This guy walking all slow in a in a in a, in a hockey mask, and they always fall, and he always gets them. But anyway, it just was ridiculous watching some of those Friday the Thirteenth. I don't, I didn't even think I'd talk about that, but I I loved that stuff as a kid. And it's like, oh my goodness, they're so so silly now. But what's not silly? We made new all time highs on the S and P five hundred on Friday. Doing it again Monday morning. We'll see where we close. Um, you know, small caps finally joined the party. We'll talk about small caps in a little bit. But Jeff, the thing I want to focus on. When we started the pod, when we recorded the podcast a week ago, we had the news from Pfizer that came out over 90% effective on their vaccine, uh, you know, seemed to really be a positive driver for those cyclical stocks, huge, huge record moves um, from, from value relative to growth last Monday and Tuesday. Uh, cyclicals had a huge move as the economy is maybe going to open up more. Uh, you want to talk a little bit about kind of what we saw early last week with that reaction to Pfizer and the strength? Yeah, the, the great vaccine news out of Pfizer, which was followed up today with similar news from Moderna, uh, really drove these cyclical value stocks that we consider reopening uh, stocks higher. You know, a lot of travel-related stocks, stocks that really have a hard time in a uh, socially distant uh, pandemic world, right? Well, the just remarkable speed at which these these vaccines have been developed. Uh, it's really shortened the the timetable. It appears, at least in the market's mind, for how quickly we're going to get out of this. So um, we're, we're seeing, um, you know, big rotation to value. That's where more reopening stocks are, as opposed to the stay-at-home stocks that are more uh, concentrated in technology. Uh, you know, it's hard to say when this rotation runs out of steam, but it's it's really uh, it's certainly been strong over the past week. Oh, no, no doubt about it. And you know, another part of the rotation theme is small caps, right? You think about it, small caps are more domestic by nature. If the U.S. economy is is weak, like clearly it has been this year, specifically, you know, the second, uh, second and third quarter there, um, you know, small caps don't do as well. Now, all of a sudden, the last couple of months, small caps have done well. The Russell 2000 has been up 6% the past two weeks in a row. I mean, that's an amazing, amazing move. I know about a month ago or so, Jeff, you and I discussed on this very podcast why LPO Research upped our views on small caps. So you're seeing some more, uh, some some positives, maybe light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, for small caps to start to take a charge. And the, the easiest answer is historically at the end of a recession, or let me rephrase that, when a recession is over and you enter an expansion, Six months to a year later, small caps tend to do better as the economy opens up. But we did see new all-time highs on the Russell 2000, that's small cap index, uh, for the first time since August 31st of 2018. I talk with our 17,000 LPL advisors a lot. Jeff, you do as well. And one of the things I've mentioned many times, we get the question, oh, my goodness, stocks are up so much. Look at the NASDAQ. Look at the large cap tech. And, yes, those had an amazing run. But small caps have gone nowhere for over two years. Now they're making new highs. Maybe that's just another sign of rotation. The hallmark of a bull market is healthy rotation, pass the baton around. Um, you know, we've, we've mentioned we like small caps. That's that's working really well, and small caps are breaking out. I mean, Jeff, what, what's your take um, with the action we've seen in Russell 2000 making all-time highs? And, again, as we're recording this podcast, again, I know it's early on Monday, but we're seeing more strength out of small caps due to the strong Moderna news. Oh, it, it's good news. It, it creates a more powerful bull market. We're in the early stages Yep. of what we think will be a lasting bull market and uh, broader participation from more stocks uh, is, is definitely welcomed here. Now, uh, we know that uh, COVID is an increasing threat. And so 
we think this rotation into cyclical value uh, will probably lose a little bit of steam over the next several weeks because you know, unfortunately uh, we're seeing more restrictions. Uh, economic growth is already starting to slow down. We're losing a little bit of momentum if you look at some high frequency data. Uh, so the next couple of months until a vaccine actually arrives and is distributed widely uh, could be uh, a little bit more challenging here. So we don't think um, you know the days are numbered for these stay-at-home stocks on the growth side. No, I mean, I know we're going to talk about earnings soon, but you've got some amazing stats, just how the earnings continues to come from some of the stay at home and growth stocks. But we'll get to that in a second. I uh, just want to talk a little bit more about the Moderna news. So Moderna came out with a 94.5% effective rate on their vaccine. This is their phase three um, results. Uh, the thing that got me that I, when I was reading, you know, again, I'm the... <laughs> I joke, sometimes I play an economist on TV for about 90 seconds, and sometimes we do the same thing. Sometimes we're scientists. When I put my scientist, um, well, not scientist hat, I guess scientist robe. What do you call a thing scientists wear? Not a robe. What's it called, Jeff? Um, lab coat? Yeah, my, I put my scientist, that's it. When I put my scientist lab coat on, I, I, uh, I, what I've read about the Moderna one was it was always widely expected to probably have a little bit better results in the Pfizer. So we said when Pfizer had 90% effective a week ago, we were like, okay, listen, just get ready because Moderna's is probably going to be a little bit imp more impressive. And it was 94.5. But what got me was the Moderna one you can store in a fridge. And we knew that the whole time. You needed like, what is it? It's 94 degrees to store the vaccine from Pfizer, whereas the Moderna one could store in a fridge. But what we were hearing was you could only store for about a week in your standard fridge between 36 and 46 degrees Fahrenheit. What they just announced this morning on Monday was it can stay in that fridge for 30 days. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's that's groundbreaking and that's potentially game changing. You can store it for up to a month in a standard size fridge. The vaccine uh, makes it much easier to transport, much easier for usability. Uh, so there's some positives. Clearly it's positive with the, with the Pfizer one also, but having to store something at 96, negative 94 degrees is a little bit tougher. It's possible, but um, anyway, between these two, some really, um, Good news. Also good news. I see 94.5. Thinking of my daughter, Susanna, just got her grades uh, for the first quarter. Jeff, Susanna, who's in just turned 13, seventh grade. She got straight A's, um, which is really cool. And she a lot of 94, 95. Did you ever get straight A's, Jeff? I mean, you went to some hard schools. I mean, did you ever pull that one off? Um, I think I did one quarter in, in, in college, uh, yeah. but I believe I only took three classes. So that made it uh, a lot easier. Oh. That's good. Yeah, I, I, I did get straight A's in the fourth grade. I remember getting straight A's in the fourth grade, but I don't think I ever had a four point. I always made Dean's list. I, I like to have fun too. You know, I was I, I did enough to get the good grades and have, have a little fun. Um, but anyway, so congrats Worked to Susanna there, straight A's. We're thinking, you know, tonight uh, she'll get to pick dinner. She's actually trying out for cheerleading tonight also. So it'll be a big week. She made the cheerleading team the first time, but they had a football. Now it's cheerleading for basketball. So hopefully she'll make it same coach and everything. So I think she'll make it. So hopefully we'll have a nice dinner tonight to celebrate her straight A's and making up the cheer team. So anyway, um, so that's, uh, that's the Moderna vaccine um, discussion, Jeff, you want to talk a little bit about earnings now, Jeff, let's go that route. This week's weekly market commentary, you put it together talking about earnings season, just record breaking. I mean, 2020 had so many terrible records, but also some impressive records. Uh, tell us a little bit about how strong this third quarter earnings really have been. Yeah, generally, um, I consider myself an optimist here. And even my most optimistic expectations were uh, really blown away here by earnings season. So, um, you know, just a few numbers put it into perspective. And, uh, you know, those of you watching are seeing the trajectory of, of, of earnings growth. When earnings season started, consensus expectations from FACSA were for a 21% decline, right? Pretty big. 
now that most of the results are in, we're about 92% of the way through, uh, we're tracking to about a 7% decline in S&P 500 profits. That is an unusually large upside surprise. In fact, if we didn't do uh, a similar thing in Q2, this would be the biggest upside surprise ever recorded in the um, you know, 13 years that FACTS has been tracking this data. So really, really strong upside. It's also been broad. The percentage of companies beating on the top line and the bottom line uh, are at or within a point of all-time records. So um, it's not just tech, which we know been really strong. It's, it's broad across the S&P 500, uh, certainly benefiting from the um, reopening. Uh, we, we've also seen, I mean, it's, it's really just a couple of sectors driving those declines. So that's energy and industrials. If you take energy and industrials out, you have earnings growth for the quarter. So real concentrated weakness. There's, in other words, there's a lot of sectors doing some good stuff here. Um, and then lastly, you know, you alluded to this, Ryan, the growth index is seeing mid-teens earnings growth for the Russell 1000 growth index. Uh, yeah. The value index is seeing an 11% earnings decline. So those growth stocks that you know most of us own uh, certainly benefiting from a very, very strong uh, earnings performance. And that has kind of lifted the base, right? We're going to be hopefully done with this pandemic you know, over the next three to six months. We're starting off at a much higher point for earnings to begin to um, get back to normal. So um, you know, the, the biggest takeaway for me is that the the path to normal earnings, which we thought were going to maybe take a year and a half, two years to reach, uh, could be reached in in a year, if not even less. Uh, it's really remarkable. That is remarkable. I mean, again, let's just reiterate that. Sometime in 2021, earnings could be back to where they were pre-pandemic, pre-recession. Again, six months ago, I don't think you would have found even the most wildly bullish, optimistic economist or strategist out there saying something like that. But sure enough, that is exactly where we potentially are. Jeff, let's look at a globally. I've got the next slide we're showing is just global strength, emerging markets, U.S. developed. You just focused a lot on the U.S. and the impressive, impressive earnings uh, we're seeing relative to expectations here in the third quarter. Even what country um, countries, even what companies are saying about the future. Tell me a little bit about the globe. Is this just a U.S. story? Is this a global story? Oh, it's it's global for sure. Uh, although more of an emerging markets story, I think. If you look. Uh, you know, emerging markets earnings are actually expected to be up in the third quarter, which is tremendous. I mean, we know China has uh, led the globe out of the pandemic and, uh, you know, their economy has already surpassed pre-pandemic highs, um, but that's, you know, been followed by uh, earnings strength as well. So not only are EM earnings supposed to be up, and this is mostly China, China's more than 40% of that index, not only is EM uh, earnings up in Q3, but expected to be up, you know, double digits uh, in in Q4, which and likely 2021 as well. So really strong earnings story there. Um, you know, I'll also highlight that developed international. So that's mainly Europe and Japan. They've also generated significant upside to Q3, but the estimates for Q4 have actually come down, while U.S. estimates have gone up a bit. Uh, so maybe a little bit of the, um, you know, the impact of the wave of COVID-19 in Europe uh, showing up there. Clearly, Europe's uh, been hit really hard and has had, had to um, put in 
restrictions before most of the rest of the world. Uh, absolutely. You know, you mentioned developed international. One of the more fascinating um, articles I've seen all of 2020, and there have been a lot of them, is how you get rid of bears. I think we might have figured it out with our friends in Japan. This is a true headline from CBS News. A Japanese town deploys growling monster wolf robots to scare away wild bears. Uh, we are showing an image of... <laughs> of the monster wolf on um on the youtube channel right now and of course that's a playful joke but apparently that's how you scare away bears and if you look um at the nikkei i mean the nikkei which is japanese stock market has gone nowhere for since like 1991 but that's a good thing in, in, a, in a particular way because it's breaking out to the highest level it's been since 1991 it's a major major uh, saucer bottom formation so from a purely technical point of view uh, the Nikkei is one area that we've said in the developed world, maybe, and even honestly, globally, from global investment point of view, maybe Japan is that one area that's gone nowhere for a long time, hadn't had a lot of positive news, honestly, uh, for a long time, is starting to break out and do well now that they've solved the mystery of how to get rid of wild bears <laughs> with a, with the scary wolf. Um, the things seem to be working pretty good in Japan. And Jeff, something else that seems to be working, your Northwestern Wildcats are undefeated in the Big Ten. Am I correct in that assumption with football, right? That is right. I, I believe uh, it's their first 4-0 start since uh, since right around the Rose Bowl year in uh, wow. 1995 or 6. Yeah. Okay. When their coach yeah. was playing for them, actually. That's neat. Okay, yeah. I mean, given I'm a Big Ten guy, I'm an Ohio State guy, so Ohio State's got a big one with Indiana this weekend. If they can get through that, they should hopefully at least make the Big Ten championship. The next few games aren't too tough. Um, but it, it's amazing. You know, you got Penn State 0-4 and... and <laughs> Indiana's undefeated. It's a, it is just a, just a microcosm of how unique and 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 uh, just different 2020 has been. I think when you just look at that. But enough about that, Jeff. The five, we've got uh, maybe five minutes or so. Let's kind of take a look at overall market sentiment here. Again, things are, things aren't great. I mean, we still had over 700,000 people file for initial jobless claims just last week. To put that in perspective, about 650 million, 660 million was the peak in 2008. Yet that's the lowest number we've seen since, um, you know, since the major spikes uh, back in March. So things are trending the right way. Um, the record hospitalizations, as you touched on, record number of cases in the U.S. and globally, honestly. Uh, but at the same time, vaccine is vaccine hopes are very, very real, and that's why stocks have been so strong lately. Specifically, those value names have been so strong lately. But everyone's catching on. Things are looking better. There's some optimism out there. Uh, if you look at the AAII, and let's see if I get it right, American Association of Individual Investors, highest number of bulls since 2000, January of 2018. And it was one of the largest weekly jumps they've ever seen in the history of their, um, of their uh, poll. Also, uh, we've seen some record number of flows into U.S. Um, equity funds and global equity funds as well. Now, put-to-call ratios quite aren't quite showing the level of optimism, but I think we're seeing some signs um, that are a little different. Remember back in March, Jeff, late March, LPL Research upped their views on equities. I think we got some funny looks when you and I described on our podcast why we saw you know light at the end of the tunnel and potentially higher equity prices uh, in late March. We had no idea stocks would bounce this much, but it's a much different backdrop now where we don't feel so lonely. Some of our big partners or some of the big banks, institutions are upping their S&P 500 targets, trying to play catch up with how things have gone. Honestly, that's kind of how it works. Um, what do you think? I mean, my personal take, and I'll go to you. 
I have some near-term concerns because everyone's getting a little excited. And stock markets usually don't make the masses right all the time. Maybe we can get through the rest of the year, the seasonal feel-good time. Santa Claus comes to town. Uh, but the, but there are some growing concerns of mine. We've been firmly in a bull camp. You listen to this podcast for the last six, seven months. We've been saying stocks are going higher consistently. I still feel that. But near-term, I'm getting a little leery because all of a sudden I'm looking around and other people agree with me. I don't like when people agree with me. What do you think? Yeah, we... We have had so many positive catalysts over the last couple of months that it's just getting tougher to identify new ones, right? Mm -hmm. So for the market to make a meaningful move higher, it has to be surprised by a new positive catalyst. And so once the market prices in the arrival of these safe and effective vaccines, prices in you know, a strong economic recovery in 2021, uh, you know, prices in uh, or prices out tax increases uh, because of the split, potentially split Congress. Uh, there's just not a whole lot more we can think of that could, you know, provide a big upside surprise. So, you know, you combine that with the fact that we have a big wave of COVID still in the U.S. that really hasn't shown any sign of abating yet, um, unfortunately. And, uh, you know, the next month or two could be a little bit tougher. Stocks are getting quite expensive. Uh, interest rates are starting to rise. Uh, it's, you know, we're 22 times forward earnings on the S&P 500. Uh, maybe the early signs of, of some froth. Yeah, no, absolutely. But again, froth can froth can stay there for a while. So let's not just say, oh, it's, it's time for a major market peak. And we don't think that at all. Uh, but still, all of a sudden, there's some some openings there, I think, for some of that. So, Jeff, we're about at the end of the road this week. Is there anything on your um, attention this week that we should be watching closely? Earnings season are in, is ending. Election stuff seems to be calming down for the most part. We're waiting on the runoff in Georgia to kind of see how the Senate uh, shakes out. There's some open spots in the House uh, that are that are still tallying the votes, but it looks like the Republicans are going to pick up some seats in the House, surprising a lot of people. Um, anything else you're watching, though, from an economics point of view or a markets point of view this week that we should pay attention to? Well, I think retail sales uh, on Tuesday is the economic data point of the week. And, yep. and that'll you know, probably just be another time for us to really stand in awe of the U.S. consumer for bouncing back as, as strongly um, as they have, I continue to be amazed. Um, retail sales are about seven percent above year ago levels. Um, I, I mean, it's it's almost as if we never had a recession, right? Or, or, mm -hmm. You know, we never were locked into our homes uh, as we were in the spring. So uh, that's the, the the big one for me. Um, you know, beyond that, we do get retailers in uh, you know coming through on uh, third quarter earnings. And uh, that will be interesting to see if it's, you know, more than just the e-commerce players and the housing players doing well. Uh, so that we'll be watching as well. Mm -hmm. No, good, good points there. I mean, you know, just the continued new, new highs. I mean, the new highs, broadening strength are things that I'm obviously closely watching. Uh, we continue to see new highs in advanced decline lines, which is a positive uh, development. Uh, just the overall movement of breadth and how many stocks are participating in this move is, is encouraging. But you can see potentially uh, some near a near-term peak. Just for instance, last week we had over 65% of the stocks in the S&P 500 make a um, new monthly high. And near term, the next one and two months, you actually get negative returns after that kind of that big thrust. But a year out, 
Um, I forget the exact number. I don't have it in front of me, but I, I'm going to write a blog on it this week. But a year out, the returns are extremely strong. In fact, S&P's never been negative a year later when you get 65% of the companies in the S&P 500 make a new monthly high uh, one year later. So potentially, again, this this new bull market looks healthy. Things look strong, but the, there are some growing concerns happening. Uh, so, Jeff, looks like we have hit the end of the road. Thank you, as always, for your comments. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, please hit that like button, that follow button. Give us a positive review. It does a lot for us to get this podcast out there. We just hit over 300,000 downloads um, of the audio version, and the YouTube channel is obviously gaining a lot of traction as well. So thank you there. Just a quick update, and Jeff, just hopefully this works for you, <laughs> the holiday schedule. We'll do the podcast. Uh, podcast the Monday next week, the Monday of Thanksgiving week, but we're probably going to take the Monday after Thanksgiving off. I'm hoping to take a couple days off around Thanksgiving. So maybe take a little break um, then, but we'll be back next week uh, with the latest edition of the LPL Marcus Sinnels podcast. Thank you, Jeff, as always. Thanks for all of our continued listeners. And we'll see you guys next week. Uh, have a great week. See you then. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial is for general information only and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All index are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC. Insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliate. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations, and may lose value.